What's up? Welcome back to the Secret Sauce Podcast. Have you ever asked yourself the question, what is it like to be on the other side of me? The first time I heard that question, it was from a speaker at a conference with 15,000 other people and it hit me in the chest. Well, today's episode of the podcast is incredibly special to me because I have that speaker joining me for a value-packed conversation. Ryan Leak is someone that I look up to not only as a communicator, author, coach, transformational speaker, but also more importantly, as a husband and a father and a leader. He's going to cover a lot of ground today, everything from self-awareness, a willingness to fail a lot, faithfulness, stewardship, and helping other people accomplish their dreams. I can't wait for you to hear this one. Let's jump in. Ryan, thank you so much for joining the podcast. I'm a huge fan. Welcome to the show. And Josh, thank you so much for inviting me, man. Looking forward to it. I was first introduced to you. It's probably how a lot of the listeners to this show were first introduced to you. It was on a stage in Nashville at Chick-fil-A's annual conference next, probably about a year ago. A year ago. And, uh, That's right. A year ago. Yeah. Right around this time. And man, instant connection. I was like, there's something different about this dude. The way that you weaved in Kobe Bryant and basketball, like I was immediately drawn to you. We have a lot of the same passions, even have young families. And so a lot of what you said really resonated with me. And I was like, man, I'd love to find a way to connect with this guy. But there's like 15,000 people there at the conference. And so I never got the chance to, but fast forward a handful of months later, you did something right because the Houston region of Chick-fil-A invited you back to speak again to their region. And I got the chance to get connected with you there. And and we chatted briefly and were able to hop on a call after that. I'll highlight, I'll shout you out here first, Ryan. I think on stage at Next, you talked about what is it like to be on the other side of me? One of the questions actually from your new book. And one of your friends gave you the feedback of, Man, sometimes you're you're so driven or focused that it seems like you're unapproachable in certain situations. Yeah. And when you were walking into the Houston Leadership Conference for Chick-fil-A, you were moving slower and you were making eye contact with people. I probably wouldn't have had the chance to talk with you if you were not. So yeah. shout out to you, man, for applying the feedback and applying your question <laughs> in a real life scenario. It's funny, man, you know, like to one person, you're unapproachable to the next person you are. And, and it's it's kind of uh, approachability is in the eye of the beholder. Is that a thing? I just made that up. I don't know if that's true, but we'll <laughs> roll with it. Be as self-aware as you possibly can. I think it's important in leadership. You know, it's the irony of self-awareness is it's hard to be self-aware without others. It sounds like it's something that you're doing by yourself, but no, you actually need other people to help you see what you can't see in yourself. Yeah. It's the, uh, the irony of being self-aware means that you recognize that you're not actually self-aware without the help of other people. You mentioned that in your book, but man, let's dig into some of these questions that I got. I got some exciting questions that I can't wait to ask you to get to learn from you today. Ryan, the first question is a standing question here on the podcast. If Chick-fil-A tomorrow announced that they were removing every sauce from the menu, you're calling up Dan to tell him, man, or Andrew, like, dude, you got to leave this sauce on the menu. Which sauce are you keeping on the menu? Polynesian, without question. Polynesian. Do you have a reason behind Polynesian? Because it's good. I mean, I mean, what, what, other, what other reason? 
<laughs> I don't. I don't have like like some some deep connection to it. It's because it's good. For nice sure. man. Polynesian has like a little bit of a nostalgic feeling for me. Like when I think about walking around the mall when I was younger, it was like Chick Fil A chicken nuggets and Polynesian in the food court is like the smell that I that, that hits There's me when I think about it. it. Let's let that lead us into the next question where we'll camp out for a majority of the podcast today. I want to ask about Ryan, your secret sauce for leadership and what do you hone in on? What do you focus on that allows you to add the most value to other people? I'd love to hear what that is for you. One of my secret sauces is I never arrive at a place where I think I've made it. Uh, One of the questions people often ask me is, when did you know you were a good speaker? And I say, I don't know that today. I've never woken up and thought, man, I'm a good speaker. I wake up every day going, I'm trying to become a better speaker every single day. I'm just constantly improving. And so for me, it's not that I'm never satisfied. It's I don't get too high. I don't get too low. I always think, man, how how can I get better? How How can I consistently improve on what we're doing and the experiences we create, the content we curate, all of those things. I think it's vitally important for leaders to be dedicated to being better than they were the day before. I think one of the hurdles that I've seen with a lot of the organizations I've worked with is the more success a person has, the more comfortable they get. We're good. We're good. We're good. It's like, no, I, I think if the minute you get there is the minute you get complacent and the minute you can really become a relic. And so for me, the way that I've been able to continuously improve on my craft is being willing to fail most things people would never try. And so for me, I'm willing to make a course that nobody takes. I'm willing to write a book that nobody reads. I'm willing to create a video that doesn't get a lot of engagement. I'm okay with it going bad. And most people aren't. I'm willing to fail every single day. I'm willing to try a joke in a keynote that I've never done before. I'm willing to try an illustration. I get to do over 100 events a year. I'm doing 11 and 8 days. Every single event, I'm going to try something new. Most speakers aren't willing to do that. I am. I'm willing to roll the dice on a new illustration, a new story, a new joke, a new intro, a new ending. I'm okay failing. I'm okay with it going bad. And most people need every moment to be perfect. Nah, perfection's overrated. For me, I'm I'm constantly tweaking and trying to to make it better. And so my, my secret sauce is well, I'm I'm willing to fail at stuff most people aren't willing to try. Is there a moment when that clicked for you, Ryan, that mentality of being okay with failure and just trying stuff? Was there a moment in your life where you're like, man, life is much better if I do this? Was it ingrained in you? about your parents or were there experiences that you went through that helped form that? What does that look like? I think the more irons in the fire that I 
hell, the the more you, you just learn trial and error. You you just keep you just keep it going. I, I like to say it like this: you can't get better if you can't get started. You can't improve a podcast you refuse to record. You you can't edit a book that you refuse to write. You cannot get better unless you get started. So in 2015, there was lots of division in our country, which there still is. And in 2015, it was somewhat new, like, oh, whoa, there's this new polarizing election. This Things are getting really tense around conversations around race, diversity, equity, and inclusion. These are becoming normal conversations in corporate America now. And things were different. And it was the first time in my life that I had people that I dearly love literally fighting all the time. And so I started writing a book based off of a question that Jesus asked in scripture, who's my neighbor? Jesus goes on to tell this story about the Good Samaritan and a priest and a Levite. And and so as I'm writing this book, I began writing a chapter on the word unoffendable. And as I typed out the word unoffendable, I thought, that's actually what the book should be called. That's the actual message. What if we were unoffendable? It took me five chapters to bump into a whole different book. Most people aren't willing to write five chapters to figure out what their actual book is going to be about. I am. I wrote a whole book on generosity just for my literary agent to go, you shouldn't have wrote a book on generosity. But I'm willing to, but, but here's the deal. I, I have so much practice of that research muscle, that writing muscle, that weaving stories together to make a point muscle that most people don't have because they're going, they're not willing to write something that nobody ever reads. Right now, I have one and a half books that I've written that will never be published. That's crazy. And I love it. I absolutely love it. And anybody that's ever written a book could tell you, like the book that just came out, the original manuscript was 72,000 words. I think the final count was somewhere in the 50s. Most people aren't willing to do hours and hours and hours and hours of research for over... 13,000 words that won't be used. But again, you've got to give your editors a buffet to go, well, what should we cut and what should we add? Well, most people don't want to cook for a buffet where people aren't going to eat. Mm -hmm. But I am. That's my secret sauce. That's great, man. Why do you think most people won't? Like, what are some of the reasons behind that where you're like, if you could look at somebody who isn't doing that right now and tell them, Hey, get over X, Y, and Z. What would some of those things be? Well, I think for a lot of people, it's failure has a different calculation for different situations and different people. For example, if somebody, if their full time job and the sole income of their household is on books, they cannot afford to write a book that nobody reads. So they can't afford failure. Whereas author is my second or third hat in my life. So I can. So failure affordability is real. So I'm not going to prescribe a one size fits all here. However, 
think for a lot of people, they don't want to fail because of impeding embarrassment, colleagues, family, friends. People do not like change. They like consistency. They like things they can count on. And when you are trying something that intimidates you, you don't want to look stupid. You don't, they have a fear of failure, which I have a fear of failure too. I just have a habit that outpaces the fear because Another example, in the content creation world, I recorded 15 pieces of content last week. Here's what I can guarantee you. I did not create 15 viral pieces of content. I may have created one, maybe, but you won't know unless you record it and then you post it. Like most people, you just, you just won't know. I'm willing to have 14 bad pieces of content to find the one that is. So people ask me, man, what's your next book going to be about? I don't know. No idea. But I create enough content that one day I'm going to bump into something to go, oh, that's the thing that people need to hear. This is the thing that will add the most value to somebody's life. And so in my previous book, Chasing Failure, I talk about, I break down the R&D budgets of the largest companies in the world. You're talking billion, billions of dollars that is spent every single year to do what? Figure stuff out, just trying stuff. Apple does not wake up brilliant every day. They have dumb ideas every day. Google has dumb ideas every day. Alphabet technically is the name of the company. But inevitably, they, they have decided every year we're going to spend billions of dollars trying stuff until we find something that's going to make us the money back. So... I think on a much, much smaller level with the S Corp that I run, we've earmarked a certain amount of money. We're just going to try stuff. That's hard for a lot of people. They don't, they're not willing to try it. It's like, well, how are you going to improve if you don't try new things? And so some people are going, you know, I don't need to improve. I just like things to stay the same. I don't want to have to have the stress of it. And maybe they're right. Maybe they won't have the stress of it, but they also won't get the victory of it either. Yeah, you live a you live a life full of regret and nobody wants that. I would agree with you. Most people aren't willing to to fail 14 times to find the one time that works and it's crazy to hear you unpack that, Ryan. It's like even even your willingness to try stuff and fail stuff has afforded you the ability to try stuff and fail stuff more because you've diversified because it's not just speaking, right? You could deliver a bad right. keynote speech and still be okay because you're also content creating and podcasting and executive coaching and writing books and all these other things that allow you to try stuff in these different areas to continue to elevate yourself. I even loved in your new book, the way that you approached very intentionally not being boxed in as the failure guy. Like you saw the success from chasing failure and had to be very intentional and careful about being a relic, right? On this topic of failure. And it's funny, I think the irony and even like, being the failure guy would mean that you're not actually the failure guy because you're not doing new stuff. Uh, you're not actually failing. And so you, could, you really, you couldn't do that, but yeah. I would love for you to share with the audience, even how you've approached diversifying the value that you bring to whoever you're speaking with. Could you camp out there for a second and talk about that? 
Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting growing in the speaking world because every client and every industry kind of looks for something different. So my first two largest clients were Disney. And then the probably the next biggest thing out of a pandemic was probably Chick-fil-A event in terms of, of, of largeness. Both asked me to include chasing failure, but they also asked me to include other stuff. Disney said, we want you to do a three talk. Now, in the speaker world, you're taught be an expert on one thing and just be that person. But here I am like fresh out the gates of like a very, very important like name that I I think Disney and Chick-fil-A were the two events for my agency that said, these are our, our, some of our biggest clients that we're going to trust you with. And so how I did in those two events would determine whether or not the agency could trust me in the sense of if anybody called them and said, hey, we're looking for a speaker, they could say Ryan Lee can have zero doubts. And so while there were 9,000, 10,000, however many operators were at that Chick-fil-A event, what most people don't realize is that was the first time my agency was hearing me live because my agency is in Nashville, where the event just so happened to be. So yes, I was speaking to the audience, but also that was a moment for me of where my agency was going, can we trust him with this? And I, and the subject wasn't chasing failure. That was a part of it, but that wasn't like, I wasn't there to be the failure guy. And that was Chick-fil-A's request, not mine. Full disclosure, I would have selected a different talk for that event, personally. Like if you were asking me what's the best content, I would have chose something else, but I wasn't a part of that selection committee. I, I go, hey, here's the content menu you choose. Hey, it's not my party. I'm just coming to, to bring a little bit of spice to it. You're just doing your best to serve the client. Well, then Disney's like, hey, can you talk about diversity? And can you talk about some of your leveling up content? And, you know, like they, they chose the content. So on one hand, people are like, you need to just be an expert on one thing. I'm just going, well, dude, the, 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 to the biggest brands in the world, they're not asking me to be the failure guy. Here's what they see. They're going, here's a guy that has an energy that we want our people to have. Here's a guy who is a trusted communicator who really, I want to say could talk about anything, but because of what I've done on the church side of things for years, you know, when I got invited back to to do another Disney event. I said, hey, what do you want me to talk about? You already heard three of my best talks. Obviously, I brought my three best talks here. I said, what do you want me to talk about? They go, whatever you want. What that signifies is a level of trust to say, hey, you are backed by popular demand. Our people are invested in you, not just your subject. And so that's what I think is important in like getting better at your craft to just go, hey, if today is change management day and that's what we need to discuss, well, guess what? I'm going to show up as prepared as I possibly can to talk about change management at a very, very high level. That is the commitment that I'm making to my clients. And so more and more, I am finding clients that are going, 
if you, chasing failure is sort of the gateway drug for them <laughs> to experience me as a communicator. But then they go back to work. They go, man, our people are fired up. We got We got to bring Ryan back. And they're like, they're kind of like, well, what else you got? And I'm like, well, I got, I got, I got a whole catalog of stuff we can do. But that can be a little bit of a of a challenge there in terms of going, man, you know what? Like I know most speakers, they stay in one particular lane. Sure. I'm in the, I'm going to add value to my client's lane. And so I've written talks from scratch with clients. We'll just say, Hey, what is it that you're trying to communicate to your organization? Let's just be honest. I'm a professional communicator. You're just in sales, or you're just a VP, or you got a degree, or, or maybe you're a doctor, or right? you run the hospital, but like you're not a motivational speaker. So give me the message you're trying to communicate, and I will put my secret sauce on those values and the things that you're trying to communicate, and I'll help your people go to the next level. And so many companies have just tried. It. I said, just try it. Let me just write something and see if you like it then they get it they're like man this is actually pretty good and i I think that would be i think that would be great that leads me into what i want to talk about next ryan because i can't remember what number question it is in the book you could probably tell me but whose dream can i support what i think is a big part of your why and your vision Yeah. yeah is supporting people in a very unique way that not only allows them to achieve their dreams but helps them support other people and how they achieve their dreams. So there's like this multiplication yep. effect or this exponential impact that your message doesn't, doesn't just die with the person that's hearing you speak or the person that's reading your book. It carries on even past that person to the other people that they will interact with and impact. And it's super wise of you to go, Hey, wait, Hey, listen, you know, your people way better than I do. You're with them every day. I'm not spending every day with them. You tell me, where I can best add value for you and even right. that tiny. So could you unpack if that even is your vision and why, and even how you stumbled upon that being a big yeah. part of the reason why you show up? There is something very gratifying about accomplishing some of your own goals. Man, there's, I don't know what dopamine or what the science is exactly behind it, but there's something powerful about coming alongside somebody else and seeing them succeed as well. What I talk about in the book is I reference some of the work that Dr. John Gottman does on marriage. He encourages couples to be dream detectives. In other words, you could easily find yourself spending a great deal of time with people that you don't actually know their dreams. You don't actually know their goals. You're kind of just coexisting with one another. You're in a fantasy football league with them. You Go to work with them. They're your neighbors. You share a soccer field or a gymnasium with them. It's amazing what we know about people and what we don't know about the people we love the most. And it's interesting to be very close with somebody and not know their dreams. And so he encourages people to be dream detectives. And I thought, man, what if we apply that with the people we work with, kids, not just our spouses? What if we all became dream detectives that we were constantly people that were going, man, what are you, what, what are some of your goals for 2023? Because resolutions and goals can often be predominantly selfish. And so to be able to take yourself outside of that for a little bit to go, you know what? I, I wonder if there is somebody in my sphere of influence, personally or professionally, that has some goals for this year, that has some dreams that I could leverage some of my resources to help them go to the next level. 
And so earlier today, there was a really good friend of mine who is a fantastic communicator who isn't great with social media and does not have the willing to fail at things thing. (laughs) And so what I said to him was, I said, hey, I'm going to pay my video editor to create content for you for the next couple of months. I'm going to lend you, I'm going to leverage a resource I have, and I'm going to pay him to create those clips for you just so you have them on your phone. Your job is just going to be able to post them, but I, I want to take the weight of content creation off of you because he's already spoken a ton and already has a ton of videos and it's already on YouTube. He's just not necessarily leveraging it at a high level. And so for me, that's more exciting than calling my video editor and saying, hey, what do you got for me? Like to be able to see somebody else's content come alive and thrive on social media. Like I'm going to be the first person to go like it. I'm going to be the first person to go comment on Like, I'm like, I want him to win. And to me, that's just as exciting as something I would create myself. I think it's important that we become the kind of person that just says, you know what, there's there's people in my world that have some goals and what would it look like for me to leverage some of the resources I have, whether that is a person, whether that is finances. Sometimes it's just a recommendation. I am a product of references and recommendation after recommendation after recommendation after recommendation. And I remember the first time a Chick-fil-A executive heard me speak. It was in 2016. I was speaking at North Point Community Church at Andy Stanley's church. And I get an email from a VP at Chick-fil-A and they said, hey, um, would love to have you come speak at Chick-fil-A sometime. And I'm thinking, ooh, y'all, I made it. I made it. Here we go. Like, let's do it. It wasn't until five years later did something actually come to fruition. It's like, sometimes that's how long things take. Now in that five years, I grew and wrote a couple of books and had a little bit more credibility and so on and so forth. But I never forget those recommendations and references and people that, you know, that looked out for me. So from, so in my mind, in my business, in my life, I'm constantly looking for people to go and who can I recommend? Who can I make an introduction for? Because that's exactly what people have done for me my whole career. Yeah. Life is so much more fulfilling that way too. You feel that. Yeah. I mean, I would encourage you to to try it, just test it out and see for yeah. yourself supporting somebody else and watching them succeed is so much more fulfilling than anything that you can personally accomplish. Absolutely. It's funny that you brought that up, Ryan. I had a, a mentor reference, like a five-year rule with me before and previous conversations on if you're faithful with something for five years, that's typically when you see the exponential impact of the fruits that will come from that. And I think so many times we stop short, we try something for just a a small period of time and we expect to see all the success come from that. We don't have the dedication to follow through with it, the consistency to follow through with it for five years, a longer period of time to see some of that So you see some of those things come to fruition, like you did with speaking there and having that first executive reach out to you. And then that leading to one of the biggest speaking engagements at the time that you had the opportunity to be a part of. I can attest to that. I've seen you live on stage, do the breadcrumb exercise. Could you explain to the audience what the breadcrumb exercise is and how that leads to more gratitude and humility, all those things? 
Yeah, so anytime I get a speaking engagement, I always love to do um, what's called the breadcrumb slide, where I always love to explain to the audience how I got in the room. And it goes all the way back to a freshman English teacher that gave uh, me an opportunity to stay in a private school when my parents ran out of money. That introduced me to my college basketball coach. He introduced me to the VP of admissions at that college. That VP of admissions named Nate Roosh uh, introduced me to my first boss. He made introductions for me all over the country in terms of speaking, coaching, and consulting. Um, that just led to more speaking, to more speaking, to more speaking, to eventually meeting a gal that connected me with a speaker's bureau and agency. And then the person, whoever brought me into that event, connected with them. And so I just put up one name at a time until we get to a name of somebody that's in that room. And so I think it's always important to be able to look back and to go, you know, remember where you came from. It's interesting how people tell stories. Some stories can sound a little bit more attractive than others. And I think the story that is most attractive for people is, you know, I started from the bottom and now I'm here. I did this all by myself. You know, I came to this country with zero dollars in my in my pocket and, and, and I came from nothing. It's like, no, somebody eventually gave you five bucks. Like eventually... Somebody did. No, 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 man. I came to this country and I started Ubering. Wait a minute. Back up. How'd you get a car? Hold on a second. You got a, you got a vehicle. How'd you get the car? Like somebody gave you an opportunity somewhere along the lines. Would it hurt to mention them in the story? Or would that diminish our mystique and our superness of awesomeness? I've just kind of let go of that. I've just gone, no, nah, I had help and I have help now. Plenty of it. And I didn't get here by myself and I'm not going somewhere by myself. And so I, I think it's important that we always can look back and go, man, somebody gave me an opportunity. Somebody instilled something into me. Somebody gave me a piece of advice. Somebody took time to mentor me, answer my phone call, respond to my text message. There's always somebody in our, in our circle that did something for us that we couldn't have done on our own. So I think that's important to remember. Yeah, that's awesome. I think your book, Ryan, was the first time I ever heard a Drake reference in a book that I was reading. It started from the bottom, now I'm here. I think the lyric yeah. actually reads, started from the bottom, now we're here, uh, if I remember correctly, which is even a, a testament to what you're communicating. Even Drake, who's at the top of the hip hop food chain right now, isn't saying that I did it myself. He's saying that we are here, a right. collective group of people. But I would that's agree right. with you. Our world today for some reason, glamorizes this self-made image. It's not all that it's cracked up to be. You really do not lose anything by giving away credit. If anything, you gain more, you get more 100%. authenticity, trust. So many other things come from that that you wouldn't otherwise get if you would give credit where credit's due. Well, yeah. Ryan, I know we have to hop off, man. We've got to do this again sometime. This has been well, too much it. fun. Thanks yeah. for coming on and adding value to everybody. Sounds good, man. My pleasure. All right, let's talk about three action steps for this episode. Number one, it's gonna be a two-part. 1A, none of us are self-made. Think about what you've accomplished in life. Who helped you get there? Send them a text, write them a letter, give them a call and just say thank you. It would mean so much to them. 1B, who in your circle of influence could you help? It starts with being a dream detective. Next time you are with that person in your neighborhood or at a kid's little league game, or even at home with your spouse, simply ask them, what are your goals for 2023? 
and then help them achieve them. Second action step, when was the last time you tried something new? What has fear of failure prevented you from doing? Is it time for you to reach out to that person, start that business, write that book, record that podcast, whatever it is to you, you can't get better at it if you don't start. The last action step here is to ask two or three close friends, coworkers, family members, how can I get better? Then ask them again, because they probably won't share everything with you the first time around. And then evaluate and do something with the feedback. As self-aware as we think that we are, we can't be fully self-aware without the help of others. You don't have to apply all of these things, but I'd strongly encourage you to pick one and focus on it over the next week. I'm going to include a link to Ryan's website in the episode description. Do yourself a ginormous favor and go click that link. On his website, you'll be able to purchase his book, take a a leadership course, listen to his podcast, which I highly recommend, or at a minimum, sign up for free encouraging texts from Ryan. I get them every week. It's one of the highlights of my week. Stay saucy, everybody. We'll see you next time.